Some years ago, I was at a <clears throat> Catholic conference. I don't remember what the name of it was. It was something like a Sikh. Um, and there, there was a t-shirt. And on the front of it, it had a, like a whip. And on the back, uh, it said, always remember a possible answer to the question, what would Jesus do, is freaking out and kicking over tables. <laughs> I, got, I was like, that's a guy I can follow. You know, that's... <laughs> Today, in center focus, I guess, is the temple. And the temple was enormous. It was a fifth of the whole city of Jerusalem. And not only was it a huge structure, it was at this time that Jesus comes into the temple. It's Passover. The Jewish historian Josephus, who lived around the time of Christ, said the Passover would bring as many as 2.5 million Jews to Jerusalem and filled the temple. This was a big stage. But it's more than a huge structure. For the Jewish people, it was everything. It was the place of encounter with God, and it was also where they saw God dwelling in their midst. And so why is Jesus so angry today? It's like a huge church full of people. The first reading, it says, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods beside me. As if the Lord is telling us in the commandments that if we don't get relationship with him right, then everything else will be out of whack. And for the record, students, everybody here worships something or someone. Hopefully it's Jesus, but it may not be. What has the highest value in your life? What is the most important thing to you? What do you spend your time on the most? Because that's what you worship. We see that at the heart of the temple, when Jesus enters into the temple, God is not at the center. The love of money is at the center. We know this for several reasons, and there's different courts within the temple, and on the furthest court was court of the Gentiles, and out there, they had animals. And this is a new practice. Moses never said that you should have animals in the temple to sell. Moses said, bring your own animal, offer the best of what you have for sacrifice. But so as to make it easier for the 2.5 million people coming to the temple, the temple priests thought it a good idea to just kind of sell animals at the door. Sounds like an American idea. <laughs> very, very comfortable, very easy. And so when you showed up, you would just buy your animal, walk in, and offer your sacrifice and go home. Obligation fulfilled. But there was even more than that. They charged to get into the temple. Little temple tax. I remember I was in Pisa one time. If you guys have ever been there, they actually have a place where they they charge you to get into the church. When I saw that, I was Jesus. I freaked out on this lady. In my clerics, it was the best. (laughs) I was like you are not going to charge me to go into my church. And she's like, "What? this is all in Italian, by the way. And she's like, what do you mean your church? And I'm like, I'm a Catholic. This is mine. <laughs> I mean, in, in essence, that's kind of true. Right? Every church belongs to us. They finally let me in, and I got to go pray. It was great. <laughs> and go to confession. <laughs> 
But remember, people are coming to Passover from everywhere. They're coming from places of different currency. And so when they came, the temple priest would only accept the shekel, right? So they would charge a tax to do a little, you know, they would say, okay, you got to pay your temple tax. But also because we have to exchange your money for the shekel, we're going to take a little bit extra, pocket that. And Jesus just sees all this and freaks out. He's freaking out because he sees false worship. The heart of the temple is corrupted. God is not there, only the love of money. And I'm sure everybody that was going there believed in God and they were doing, they were fulfilling their Passover obligations. But the heart, the heart was corrupt. It was missing the point. I read an article recently that said 95% of America believes in God. That's good news. You know, if you watch the news, you would think that 95% of America is atheist and liberal. But it's actually not the case. 95% believe in God, and that's good. But I would say to them, I would challenge them, yeah, you're belie- you believe in God, that's awesome. But what does that do? What, is that, what changes in your life because of that? It's more than surface-level commitment. It's more than obligation. God wants your heart. The battle in your life isn't between God and the devil, it's between you and God. And our hearts, like the hearts of those ancient Jewish people, can get corrupted. Stuff inside of it that doesn't belong there. God's not at the center. And that's why we experience suffering, that's why we experience turmoil in our life. Because Jesus is freaking out inside of there. He wants it all. He wants to lay claim there. What Jesus did today in the gospel was not purifying the temple. We often see that in the Bible. It says the cleansing of the temple. What he did was give a parable of its impending destruction. In other words, Jesus is telling the Jewish people this. If you don't repent, this building that you see will be destroyed And it was, because they didn't listen. It goes on and on throughout human history. We just don't listen. And for the record, this must have been an incredible encounter. There's two encounters like this one that I really love, actually three. This one, maybe four. This one, (laughs) when Jesus is face to face with the Pharisees, you know, or when Lazarus and he says, did I not tell you that if you believe, he will rise? And he says, I am the resurrection. Or when he's with Pilate, and Pilate says, do you, not, do you not realize that I have the power to release you, the power to crucify you? And the Lord looks at him and says, you don't have any power over me at all. And it must do something to people. For Pilate, it said, from that moment on, he tried to release him. It must have scared the heck out of him. And it must have done something to the Pharisees today, because all they did was question him. And then Jesus leaves. I don't know about you, if I was preaching right now, or maybe down at the cathedral after church, and some guy came flying in and started kicking over the carnival raffle ticket table and the Christian mother's bake sale items and throwing money all over the place, screaming out of control. I mean, what would we do? I mean, I would think that we would tackle the guy and kick him out of the church, but that doesn't happen. There's 2.5 million people in Jerusalem, and nobody does a thing. They just watch him do this. And how they missed it. 
is beyond me. I mean, it's kind of, it's not that beyond me in the moment, but it's beyond me in the resurrection. I read that there's two words for temple in Greek, naos and hiron. Naos means the physical edifice, the building. Hiron means the holy of holies. And they say to him, what sign can you give us for doing this? And he says, destroy this temple, Huron, destroy this holy of holies. And I will rebuild it in three days. How did they miss that? Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, they didn't miss it. Maybe they understood it and just refused to let go of their power. They just wanted to do what they wanted to do, hang on to their little kingdoms. This is why the temple was destroyed, because they chose something other than God to be at the center. And all of us, you guys, by our baptism, we know this. We are temples of the living God. But we will fall just like that temple in Jerusalem if our heart becomes corrupted. Today, I ask you to keep him at the center, to let your faith impact every aspect of your life, not just the ones that are convenient. You guys, Lent is serious business. We're not playing around here. Things must be made right or the temple will be destroyed. Don't presume there's a tomorrow. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. That's how we started Lent with Ash Wednesday. These are the words that the church has chosen to begin this holy season. We still have time. When we die, we're face to face with Christ, we won't have any more time. And so I challenge you to ask yourself this Mass. What is most important right now for you and me to be made right with God and with each other? What is it that we know that we need to change or that we have to do or that we need to repent of? Who is it that we know we need to reach out to or ask forgiveness from? What is sin has to go? What has to change? We still have time. A recommitment to prayer, a recommitment to Christ, a recommitment to Lent is always in season. And it's a gift. So let's make the most of it.